From Burlington, Vermont, welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. It is also the show where we talk about Wendy's through a psychological lens. It's been a while since I've given you guys a grocery store story, so I've got one for you. As you know, I am the old man chronicler of declining standards and etiquette, and these are best observed in the marketplace, usually in a grocery store, pharmacy, or a fast food restaurant. So let me take you through new normal at Wendy's in Essex Junction, Vermont. <laughs> you see Wendy we got up here on the screen? <laughs> I made her out of AI. I'm actually disappointed because it should, like to accurately represent this story, that picture should be far darker and like absolutely impossible to understand you should you should look at it like it was um what what did hp lovecraft um you know uh, odd right angle eldritch angles that's what it is yeah this is not nearly horrible enough so i go i stop at wendy's i'm on my way to my friend holly's house and holly's story is going to be after wendy's story and i stop to get lunch and one of the things that's happened in new normal since Mm, well, since the pandemic, which didn't occur, of course, there was no there was no actual pandemic. There was only a societal um, hysteria uh, was that, of course, all of these restaurants closed their dining rooms and went to drive through only. This had the effect, along with with other things. I'm I, I think a lot of other streams have gone into this. This had the effect of training customers to behave differently, and they are continuing to behave differently. So even though it has been more than a year since any restaurant around here actually uh, stopped people from coming in, people are no longer willing to walk inside fast food restaurants. So during the pandemic, when you would drive down this main drag that Wendy's happens to sit on, there were so many people in the drive-through that customers decided that the travel lane of Route 15, this is a major thoroughfare, they decided the travel lane of, of Route 15 was the Wendy's driveway. I'm not making it up. I'm not exaggerating. They, they literally, line of cars out into the travel lane. That was just fine. They didn't, didn't feel the need to scooch over and pull over, you know, to the curb. Nope, nope. That's, that's just how we get into Wendy's. No police did anything about it. It was very dangerous. Wendy's didn't do anything about it. Uh, it's now back. So I pull up to Wendy's, and there is, yes, a line of cars coming out of the driveway into the travel lane. I could sneak around so I could get in. There are two cars, only two cars parked there, but there are 15 cars in the drive through So I'm like, I'm going to beat all this, and I'm going to go in and, and just order from a human. <laughs> Silly Josh. Since I've been to Wendy's last time, they have ripped out, they used to have four cash registers. There is now one cash register. Why are they doing this? They're doing it in prep to make you use kiosks the way McDonald's does. And they also decided to put the one cash register in a spot on the counter in an out-of-the-way place that is clearly meant to psychologically cue you to see it as a last resort that they do not prefer you to use. It's very obvious when you see it. But in the meantime, they've, they've got their poor employees trying to take care of everybody with one cash register. So that means not only is there a big drive through line, but now there's a line of customers inside the store going all the way back through to the table and dining seating area. And one, one Wendy's employee to take all of their orders. So <laughs> she was friendly, 
but that was all she was. I asked for a particular combo meal. I wanted the bacon double stack. I know, I know, as I tell you this story, I know that some of you are sitting there saying, why is this grumpy, irritable guy telling me about this? Because it's new normal. Because this, what I'm describing to you, is not a once in a while thing. If this were a once in a while thing, I would be churlish and, and you would be right to say, you'll just make a big deal out of anything. It's not just once in a while. This is at least half the transactions that I engage in at any market every single week. This is almost daily. If I went out daily, this would be daily. Okay, Didn't used to be that way. So I asked for my bacon double stack combo and I can see because they've, they've, they've now got a screen facing me, a, a screen because I can't, you know, I'm not supposed to be talking to a human. I'm supposed to be paying attention to a screen. Uh, it shows me what's going on up there. And she's got the wrong order in there. And, and, and I'm, I'm polite. I say, I'm sorry, I think that's a mistake. Um, I'm asking for da-da-da-da-da. Uh, 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 I'm just clasping my hands, holding them in front of me, being being patient. So she starts again. What would you like? I would like, please, the bacon double stack combo. It is the $6 option on your board. That I spoke it this way. You can't misunderstand that it was clear. And I made sure to use the exact Wendy's brand name of the item because I've run into this before. You can't say you want a bacon double cheeseburger. You mean the bacon double stack or do you mean the blah, blah, blah? You have to use the exact brand name verbiage or they can't, they can't make a lateral move mentally. Um, she comes up. The same mistaken order comes up again with the wrong meal on it. What do you want to drink? I said, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I don't mean to be a pain, but um, the order is still incorrect. Well, you wanted the, and I said, may we please start over? Is it possible to please clear your screen so we could start fresh? I think it'll go quicker for us. She has to get a manager. Fucking God. So it takes three tries. This is a transaction that takes about four minutes. Four minutes from me speaking to her to paying for it and the next customer coming through. <laughs> Shit. Now, what kind of sauce do you want for your nuggets? No sauce, please. But would you please add to that two additional mayonnaise packets? Again, I'm speaking to you, audience, in exactly the cadence and crispness that I enunciated to her. There's no way to misunderstand this. I actually see her put, good. I was like, good for you. She actually put it on there. I saw two mayonnaise packets come up on there. That means I know that it's printed on the ticket that the next guy is going to see, right? That's important. So I move over to the left and <laughs> the next kid comes over. He's maybe 16 years old and he's doe-eyed and he looks scared of everything. He's like this. He doesn't talk to people either. He, won't, he, he doesn't speak. When customers speak to him, he won't speak back. He doesn't do the talking thing. Um, no, no, I, I, no, no. I don't care if you think he's autistic or whatever it is that you think he is in order to excuse him from not being able to competently speak to people. That's, we're not talking about that. Um, I wait for about nine minutes. Nothing happens. 
I see this kid. He's putting out trays. He's putting items on trays. Then he's looking over. He's looking at the screen. He's squinting. He's taking items off trays and putting them over here, rearranging the things, looking back. He's confused again. So he rearranges the stuff. Meanwhile, other customers I can see have been waiting behind me for about six or seven minutes. This is supposed to be fast food, right? Um, guy gets up there. Kid hands him the tray. Gentleman says, this is supposed to be to go. Here's the kid. Pulls out a bag, starts chunking stuff in there, just chunking it in. Again, he won't, he won't speak. He won't say, oh, I'm sorry, or, oh, gotcha, no problem, I'll put it in. Won't, won't do that. Shoves the bag over. So I'm like, I know I'm not going to get my mayonnaise. <laughs> um, the end result of this is I had to then go through three more interactions with this young man so that he could understand what mayonnaise was and that I did actually want it. Then um, when I was waiting for the rest of my order to be completed, you know how they give you the cup so you can go get your drink? I went and got my drink and I put it there. I turned around. This kid has taken my cup and like it's gone. It's just all gone. Then he tries to hand me my tray and I say, excuse me, I believe that somebody may have taken my drink. Again, just turns around, will not speak, will not speak. Goes, finds my drink from someplace behind the counter, puts it back there. I'm just like, oh my God. You guys, it's, this, this, this is, this stuff is unbearable to me because it's not normal. It's, I don't know how to communicate with people like this. And it is, almost all of it is kids. They're, how do you communicate with people when you don't even understand what it is that they don't understand? And that's what, that's how I, that's, that's where I am. I don't get what it is that they don't get. I know that I'm speaking clearly. I know I'm using standard English. I'm not behaving any differently than I have for, you know, 35 years. And yet they're, they're, they can't process. What is it they can't process? Is it body language? Is it tone of voice? I don't know, but there's something wrong. And this is not this kid's fault, right? Like I'm irritated with him and it's not, I don't care what his problem may be because as a customer, I don't have to care and I don't have to sit here actually and make excuses for him either. I'm not ethically obligated to do that. That's Wendy's problem, not mine. But it reminds me of the stories you hear of children who were raised by wolves, or not literally raised by wolves, but feral children, the ones who were severely neglected and abused, either uh, locked in a closet, not socialized, or literally left in the woods. Um, and they come out and they, they never develop the ability to speak. They can't make eye contact. Obviously, that's more severe, but it seems to be in this neighborhood. But let me give you Holly's new normal story. Uh, this is how you get a job today. And I went off on that so long, I'm probably not going to be able to get to everything I want to talk to you about in this segment. So my friend Holly hires people. Um, she has uh, a gig where she hires a young college student to do some of her grocery shopping and um, some of her, her laundry doing for her. Actually, um, it has to do with the fact that she's got a bum shoulder. Um, it's hard for her to carry these things, so, so she does this. Well, her, her girl who does it, who's, who's absolutely lovely, is going to be out of town, so Holly needs to hire a substitute. Here's what happened. Um, I'm going to read to you from how Holly told it to me. So, Jane, I'm just going to call her Jane. So Jane's going to be in Europe with her family next month. 
I posted on Front Porch Forum, which is a, a neighborhood, you know, swap, swap meet kind of thing. I posted on Front po- Porch Forum that I was looking for a temporary errand runner. I got two responses from people who can read and follow directions. Uh, one's coming at tomorrow at 5. Uh, one came by this morning, a woman in her late 50s. I invited her up. I told her roughly what I needed, and I asked her a few questions. I can be very flexible on the time these, these things get done, except for the trash, because the city dump is only open in cert, uh, at certain hours on certain days. Blah, blah, blah. Just explained all the things. Holly says to me, Josh, she tried six different ways to get me to promise her the job instantly. When I didn't, she kept pulling out new reasons for me to feel sorry for her. She just got out of an abusive relationship. She was a caretaker for years, and then both her parents got sick, and it was, it was good that she had those caretaking skills because both of her parents died just recently, both of them. So she just got out of an abusive relationship. Her parents died. She was a caregiver. She's, this is this whole sob story, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know she's going to say they died from long COVID too, right? <laughs> Back to Holly. Before she was a caretaker for the state of Vermont, she worked for the state of Vermont because, of course, she did. But the long hiatus meant that her computer skills didn't keep up. And there's no help for anyone in this state who wants to go back to school. No help at all. And Holly says parenthetically, she's saying this to someone who got $4,000 a year from the state of Vermont to go to school as an independent adult. But there's no help. There's no help anywhere. She also tried to make me feel guilty about being able to afford to pay someone to run my errands. Listeners, audience members, did you hear that? This woman wants the job of running Holly's errands, but now she's going to turn it around and make Holly feel guilty that she is offering the job. You know where this is going. We're getting to a diagnosis. She told me about her best friend who works for the state of Vermont and loves working from home but cries every day because she has to go into work one day a week now and she just hates the office so much. But she has to go in because, quote, she's not in a situation to pay people to do things that she doesn't enjoy. Ho, 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 bitch. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> The last thing, Holly says, the last thing I asked for was references. I knew I wasn't going to hire her, but I kept up the pretense so that she wouldn't have a freak out in my apartment. I said, please text those to me. Um, so I'll have them on, on my computer and I can just call right from the text window. And she was so pissed. She wanted the assurance that she had the job right then and there. So then Holly and I did uh, flash diagnosis. Um, have you, audience members, have you come to a diagnostic conclusion Here's my flash diagnosis. Combination, one or the other, um, borderline PD slash covert narcissist, which incidentally is the same conclusion that Holly came to. Why am I so confident in diagnosing somebody I've just heard a story about? Well, as a reminder, I'm not actually diagnosing. That's something only a doctor can do. I'm not entering anything into this woman's medical record. Um, I'm not uh, practicing doctoring without a license. I'm simply giving my opinion. My opinion could be wrong. But why am I confident to do that um, based on this one story? Well, first of all, Holly is a good friend of mine, a real-life friend. We spend a lot of time together. I had dinner at her house last night. She's going to come over and have lunch here later today. I believe what she tells me. And all the behaviors that this woman exhibited are what I call leading indicators. They're behaviors that are so out of the norm that it's unlikely that a normal rage person would do them, 
except under very extraordinary circumstances. And here's a good heuristic for you. I've told you about a man named Bill Eddy of what's called the High Conflict Institute. Bill Eddy is a lawyer and a social worker, and he runs the High Conflict Institute. And basically, they are a think tank um, organization that consults with employers to help them deal with what they call high conflict people. And what they mean by high conflict is cluster B, almost always. Um, Bill says this, when you're trying to figure out if you're, when you're trying to make an assessment, you don't have a lot of information to go on, but you need to sort of sort people at a rough level. How do you do that? Bill says, imagine what the person in front of you just did. Take their behavior and ask yourself, would 90% of people have engaged in that behavior? Would it be that normative? Or would only a small handful of people do that? And if you come up with only a small handful of people would do that, chances are very high that you've got a high conflict person or a cluster B. Um, we are not going to have time um, for number three, Kevin, so we're going to move right into um, Mr. Andrew Hartz, the non-woke therapist. Um, this guy is a psychotherapist in New York City, and he's recommended by Jake Wiskirchen, my therapist friend who was on last week. And he's recommended because he has noticed what the therapy industry has turned into and how it's become anti-patient. And I don't know the details of this project, but I do know that Andrew is working on opening a, a, an explicitly non-woke therapy clinic in New York. Let me give you a couple of quotes from the Federalist article he wrote about. This was uh, late last year, and I think it's what is propelling him uh, to take action and, and open up a service. So he writes, it's never been easy to have a dissenting opinion, but it's, it's getting harder and harder. Today, countless people face social and professional consequences for expressing their political views, and many more self-censor because they fear the consequences of candid dialogue. Rather than helping, the mental health field has often been antagonistic toward this population. Now there's a growing population of people who need mental health services at the same time that providers are most likely to mistreat patients who have non-leftist views. And he told the story of a patient who came to his clinic in New York City, a clinic he worked at, uh, complaining of social anxiety and major depression. Um, and he said that this gentleman was frustrated and he told his therapist, one of the therapists at the clinic, that he was frustrated to lose a research fellowship opportunity because of, of affirmative action in his view. The therapist, this, this was, um, this guy's individual therapist was then in the group setting with other therapists, like when the teachers all come and compare notes. So during their meeting, um, the therapist who was of color, and I'm just going to say read black, um, and the patient was Jewish, read white. What did the team of therapists discuss? Not the patient's well-being. Quote, they argued that it would be unfair for a non-white therapist to have to provide therapy to such a racist patient unless he changed his views. No one seemed to consider that it might be unethical to turn a patient away from therapy for his opinions about affirmative action. Yeah. Um, Andrew, we're going to be watching you. Thank you for, thank you for sticking your oar in the water and doing something good. Folks, we'll see you after the break and we are going to come back with an interview with, uh, my friend TC Pearson. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. 
move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. I've talked a lot about how we as a society need to speak up more. People have a million excuses about why they they can't speak up. Can't, right? Well, I'll lose my job. I'll lose my friends. I'll lose my, sh- my social standing. My church won't like me anymore. Yeah? And so what? You'll get no sympathy from me. None. Zero. Because I got drummed out of my job, out of my career. I'm now unemployable in my former field because I told the truth. I've lost almost every single person who was important to me, with the exception of maybe one or two people. I lost everything, all my friends, my professional reputation. So I am not sympathetic any longer. Um, Don't ask for sympathy from people who uh, have picked up slack that um, other people are not not willing to pick up. The consequence of speaking up is that you are going to lose some of your friends. You're going to lose your job. Some of you are. Yeah. Um, You may lose your church standing. Um, None of these things are great. None of them are good. None of them are acceptable. But they are, unfortunately, the realistic price that, that people of conscience are going to have to pay. And I want to introduce you to a guy I know, and some of you may know from audio as well. His name is T.C. Pearson, and he has a podcast on YouTube called Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. I'll let him tell you about it. Uh, You may remember him as the guy that we had on on a one-hour audio program, maybe about three or four months ago, when uh, he graciously allowed me to record um, a consulting and coaching session having to do with dealing with some troublesome family dynamics. but that's that's not all he does. He's got his own show, too. And I saw uh, one of his short clips on YouTube, and it was just just put me on fire. Kevin, let's let's introduce him with that clip. That, folks, is where we're at. People who would consider themselves to be on the right side of the issue will sell you all in a freaking heartbeat. If you haven't lost friends or family members, over your dissonant views. And when I say dissonant, I mean patriotic, liberty-minded views. If you haven't lost friends or family members, I, I really don't know what to tell you. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You have got to lose people. And you have to be willing to lose people for your dissonant views. And if you're not losing people, you don't have dissonant views. You just have slightly moderated views that some people might have a problem with but overall society is okay with and so that that my friends is phenomenally important for us to understand okay tc welcome to disaffected 
Well, <laughs> I I feel like I failed. I said I was going to dress up for you, so I... Uh, no, that's okay. The plain black t-shirt is always a classic choice. So Especially, because, especially for us dissidents. Yes. So, actually, no, I'm going to challenge you first, because as a host, I'm supposed to play devil's advocate and push back. So I'm going to push back. What do you mean? <laughs> what? You got to lose friends. If you're not losing friends, you don't do it right. That's a pretty straightforward statement, isn't it? Yeah. When, so when you're speaking out today about things, if you're really serious about it, you're gonna you're going to end up losing people. People who thought they knew you, or people who they who thought were on your side, are going to start to question you and question your loyalty to their ideas, and question your loyalty to your friend your friendship with them. If you're pushing against things that they've always cherished, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm. Like, and it's happening to me. I, I've got people who haven't talked to me for years now because I'm I'm not towing the, the approved line. And what is it? it what, take, let, give us a little give us some specifics. Um, first, tell people give give the 20 second synopsis version of your show, uh, Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. Uh, what what is it about? What does it talk about? Then after you synopsize that, I'm going to ask you about some of the specifics that have put you at odds with friends and colleagues. So what's your show about? I, I launched the the channel um, April 25th of 2020 uh, on a Saturday morning to go out and start recording uh, business owners and family members and whatnot that were being told to stay home because they weren't essential, that they weren't important, they couldn't have their businesses open during the, the COOF COVID protocol stuff. And it grew from there. And I've Ever since I have begun to continue to push against the the state tyranny of the state, the regimist, and it, it's done well. I mean, I'm not you know Joe Rogan level numbers. I'm not disaffected level numbers, but I I do get you know I have an audience and a boy the people hate me and it cost me a career. That's just the start. What um can you say can you say a little more um. How did it cost you your career? What happened? Well, for almost 13 years, I worked for a local sheriff's office here in Minnesota, Olmstead County Sheriff's Office. Um, very high, very high reviews every year. Scored well. Uh, I, you know, made mistakes. You do in that line of work. I was a deputy inside of a detention center, but uh, when I started to push against some of the agenda that was taking place in the state, mask mandates and all of that stuff, people started to complain. And one of the uh, one of the organizations that complained was a city that I didn't live in or, or had nothing to do with, but I was speaking out against the measures they were taking against a person that became my friend when she decided to keep her business open in defiance of the governor's mandates. And they filed formal complaints, not only with my employer, the Olmstead County Sheriff, but they actually contacted the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension and the FBI to complain about me. The FBI? Try yes. Abs yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, boy, tell the producer to not cut to, to me anymore. They can see all, they can, my studio doesn't look very professional behind me, Josh. 
that that's okay. Um, I've I've just got I've got a monitor behind me hiding it out. Yeah, there's an actual wall there. There's a curtain on the other side too. <laughs> Should go green screen. Uh, yeah, no, really, they did. Uh, and I found that that out when they placed me on admin uh, under internal investigation actually for my content. You're, so actually, you're saying you're saying that the sheriff's office placed you on internal investigation. Yeah, the sheriff's office put me under internal investigation a week after they started the, the disciplinary prom, uh, process, disciplinary, what they call disciplinary step notices. Uh, what, they, does it, what, what, were you told what your alleged violation was that you should be disciplined for? Oh, yeah, I, it was uh, conduct uh, unbecoming of a, uh, a deputy. Um, I was defiant of uh, lawful orders. Uh, lawful Which, of orders course, were not never... lawful. Well, not to mention the fact they never explained what lawful orders, because that lawful orders can only pertain to lawful orders given to me by my command authority in the context of my job. And I never once defied a lawful order. When my when the sheriff told us we were going to wear masks while on duty inside of the detention center, I wore a mask while I was on duty in the detention center, even though I was philosophically opposed to it in my private life. And under the circumstances... I could understand why they were doing that, and I complied and never once told anyone not to comply. But outside of work, I didn't, and I made no bones about it at all. And But they never explained what the lawful orders were. They never explained how I violated them. Um, they pointed to my content, content I put out about the city of Albert Lee, Minnesota, and their city attorney and their chief of police that I had no working relationship with at all. They pointed to that. They ordered me to take content down off of my YouTube channel, off of my Rumble. Uh, they ordered me to take content off of my Facebook. Uh, they, just, it was like literally ordered, you will take these down. It, and I mean, it's, uh, I mean, were you at the, at that point in the beginning of this, were you surprised that that the sheriff's office that you'd worked for for this long, were you surprised that they were so amenable to this complaint and that they were so willing to um, actually in, to treat you this way? Did you expect that that might happen or was this a surprise? You know, I, I had a, a little bit of a concern that they would have some questions about it. I never expected it would go where it went as fast as it did uh, as severely as it did. I mean, it was fast. They had they had attempted something um, a month after I started my my platform, my channel. Um, they had called, you know, during the, the the riots in Minnesota following the death of George Floyd. The mayor of Rochester, Minnesota, had stood on the front steps of the law enforcement center and gave a speech about how. It was time for all oppressed people and minorities in the community to feel safe at the hands of law enforcement, which I have some uh, altered views on law enforcement in the United States today because the scales have fallen off my eyes as it regards law enforcement in the United States today. But at the time, her comments were just irresponsible and needlessly inflammatory. The, the Olmstead County in Rochester hadn't had an officer involved shooting or anything like that in so long. And for her to stand up and make that comment about 
her own police department and the sheriff's office. And I called her out in a video the next day, once again, never identifying myself as a deputy, never identifying myself as an employee of Olmstead County or anything like that. Just saying, hey, uh, elected servants, you need to be very careful with the words you use because they can cause problems. And the chief deputy approached me that that night. I did that on my way home on a live video on Facebook on a Saturday morning. Saturday night, as there's riots getting ready to happen in Rochester, well, what passes for riots in Rochester is basically just a bunch of yupp, yuppie white people uh, holding signs and chanting about how oppressed they are while they're oppressing people. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, uh, he approached me. And try to make small talk with me. And I'm like, why? We don't make small talk. What's going on? I said, okay, why Why you? what do you want to talk to me about, Brian? And he goes, well, that video you put out this morning. And I said, and I just went through, did I violate policy and procedure? Did I identify myself as, you know, a representative of the sheriff's office? He goes, no, 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 none, none of any of that. And then why are we having this conversation? And he said, well, you did shoot it while you were while you were driving and i'm like yeah with a hands-free device and he goes well that's technically against the law and i said you know what touche brian that will never happen again as long as i work for the sheriff's office that is not why he did it that is not why he did it yeah he and knows you it. and i know that and he knows he knows that. it <laughs> he knew it when he said it to you and he knew that you knew it oh yeah and he also and i boy here's here's where the arrogant bad boy side of me is going to come out um I, he knew he wasn't in the philosophical, intellectual realm to have the conversation with me. I, I know that probably people are probably grating on people's nerves to hear somebody say that about themselves, but he just he just was not equipped to have that conversation with no, me. Clearly. And so I I fumed about it. I was I was pretty hot. Yeah. And I so I ended up writing an email and I took a week about a week to send it. And so as I was leaving my duty day on the, that Thursday, the following Friday morning, I sent the email to him saying, I need clarification. And then I detailed our entire conversation in the email, sent it to him. And I copied myself in. It took him two weeks, two weeks to respond to me. And in the response, it was like, I'll talk to you when you come back on days. Not once did he ever approach me again about it. How did, how did the, this all how did this all end? I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on your toes, oh. but for the sake of time, um, how did this all end up? Bring us to the conclusion of this. Then we're going to talk about a couple more things in the last few minutes we have. They they ended up putting me out on administrative leave after 60 days of internal investigation while they kept me on duty, by mm-hmm. the way. And on April 30th of 2021, they put me out on internal investigation. I received a letter with intent to terminate uh, within a week and a half. Uh, my attorney through the union uh, prepared to hand them their asses in in court, and we had a final meeting, and he had me testify in the meeting, which he's never done before. Mm-hmm. And they had the county attorney, two representatives from the county attorney's office, the HR department was there, plus the chief deputy of detention services. And at the end, the county, my attorney says, we're going to win this in court. And they kept me out. What happened? Bring us to the conclusion. We ended up, uh, they ended up offering me a settlement and I took it and I left employment uh, in September of 2021. Were you surprised that the sheriff's department would, well, no, I've asked you that. I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I'm, 
I'm not shocked, but I am a little more surprised because one of the things that I noticed during the alleged pandemic was that some of the only law enforcement officers who were standing up for what's legal, right, and constitutional were sheriff's departments around the country. They were the only ones who were coming out and saying they were, some of them defied their governors. They said, we are not going to enforce your unconstitutional uh, executive orders telling people where they can congregate when they can leave their houses. So it's, it's a little bit extra disappointing that a sheriff's department would have done this um, would have taken this attitude and, 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 and done this with you. So since that's happened, uh, that changes the way a man sees people, doesn't it? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It, to give you an idea of the, that's a little bit of what that one minute clip that you played was about. Um, he, that, that sheriff had sent out emails, internal emails to all of his staff saying, we're not going to be the mask police. We're not going to be the social distancing police. We're not going to be the social gathering police. I'm not going to enforce any of this. And subsequent to that, everything that he do has done has demonstrated that he was going to do all those things. And yep. that's yep. where those scales fall off. And then you start to realize it's not just the people you work with that'll betray you. It's people that you might have ideologically been in line with for a very long time will turn on you in a heartbeat to save themselves. To say they, their values mean nothing to them. Their philosophy, their worldview, their politics, whatever it is, it means nothing to them. Church, churches, and Josh, you've heard me say this. Yep. Churches in particular are horrible about this. There, there's no spine left in the American church. I was thinking about this as I was out walking today. Uh, so I'm going to shock you. I hear a gay atheist on his show quotes scripture about what's happening with their culture today more than I'll hear Christians quote scripture and stand up on their alleged biblical principles. Period. It, well, you know it more I, than anybody. We're living in a time of reversal, aren't we? We're, we're, re yeah. we're, we're really living there. Um, I, I, you know, as we come to the end of the time here, um, I just want to I want to encourage you to keep going. I, I, I found it really inspirational. I mean, that's why I wanted to invite you on the show. I mean, we talk, of course, you're a member of the discord, you know, the people in the show community, so to speak. But I saw that and I was just like, this guy's on fire and and you're a kindred spirit. Tell uh, tell people really quickly where they can find you and what they can expect when they get there. Well, you can find me on YouTube for now. Um, Minnesota Black Robe Regiment, um, Rumble, Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. I'm on Twitter, um, at Robe Regiment. I'm also on Getter. I don't use Getter. I'm having a hard time getting used to Getter. Um, you can find me there. Uh, you can, you're going to find dissonant views. Uh, you're going to find a lot of critique of the, the state. And when I mean the state, I mean what most people call government. But you're also going to see a lot of critique of law enforcement today and calls for constitutional reform, not defund the police, but we need to reform law enforcement. They're not about the constitution anymore. And I have a lot of videos demonstrating that, that well, they I, will betray it. Good, I, I'm glad, thank you. Thank you for being one of the people who tells the truth and stands up. I know, I know you've paid the price for it like many other people have. Uh, thank you for paying the price for it. Um, good luck and listeners and viewers, uh, hop on over and check out what TC has to offer because this guy tells the truth and he's blunt about it. My friend, thank you for joining us for Disaffected. Thank you, Josh. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we'll see you all after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. 
move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. My name is Brian and I have trained myself to never judge a book by its cover. Are you a rapper? Are you that rapper? Guess was as good as any other. People judging others based on their appearance is one of the greatest plagues on our society and that's why I've trained myself to never judge anyone ever under any circumstance. Maybe a fitness instructor, a jockey perhaps, could be a cafeteria lady, I guess, a Walmart greeter, maybe a preschool teacher. Uh, if I'm walking through a dark alley and I happen to see an old lady with a walker or a gang member holding a firearm, I proceed with the exact same caution, which is zero. Society wants you to think that this is somehow scarier than this. I'm not sure if we need to be afraid of these people or not. Just because something might be less than 1% likely to happen, I can't take the chance that I might think the wrong thing for a moment. We don't have any information, but maybe he's a bartender at a gay club, just as likely as any other options. I feel like I'm basketball player, potentially. Okay, well, this guy's a piece of shit, obviously, but you know what I mean. You know, the human brain is flawed. It tries to take, you know, data and statistics and make decisions based on that mixed with personal experience. But I like to put my focus on the exceptions to those statistics. Uh, excuse me, officer. Um, oh, you're not an officer? Oh, uh, okay, well, I, I kind of just walk around until I find one, generally. Do you have a UFC fight coming up anytime soon, or? Just because a man will be stronger than a woman 95% of the time does not mean that we shouldn't focus entirely on that 5% where they're not. Maybe rabbis, maybe stewardesses, potentially Zamboni drivers. I, I've lost a lot of money betting. I'm generally pretty confused. Sandwich shop, I believe. Oh, is this like a bank? Okay, I don't really like look at the covers of the places, so. Some people might feel safer walking in certain areas or around people that are dressed a certain way, but I don't have those internal biases. I did have internal bleeding after I was mugged for the fourth time this year, but the important part is that I did not judge. Do you guys have the bang machine here? I was just, we're trying to just, I'm just looking to make like a withdrawal. Uh, okay. I don't really look at the covers, so. No, I tell my son that every day. I mean, just because a man with a mustache and a white van's offering you candy doesn't mean he's up to no good. There's a small cohort of white van mustache men that just actually want to give kids candy. You know, it's a hard message to get across and I have to yell it at him because one of his ears doesn't work that great since the Pitbull attack. Maybe a ice road trucker of sorts. I make zero judgments based on people's appearance ever. I mean, we can keep doing this, but I'm not capable of making judgments. Uh, a Chinese person, I don't, guy from China. <laughs> this is why we need comedy, because comedy brings truth. And this is why, this is why whenever there's a regime that wants to control you, one of the, one of the classes of people they go, they go after first are comedians and artists. 
um, writers, thinkers. And most comedians, you know, I mean, obviously, just because you are a comedian or you're funny doesn't necessarily mean that you're a truth teller. But it is the case that the really good ones, the really compelling comics, um, well, first of all, they're, they're often, usually, not always, but usually tortured people. Um, they're noticers. They are pattern detectors. They find the world hilarious, but they also find it very frustrating. Um, and... You know, a guy like, I mean, Ryan Long, if you haven't seen this guy before, okay, I'll tell you what I got here. It's summertime and we are air conditioning compromised, so I have to pretend to be a southern black lady at a funeral. Somebody bring me some smelling salts up in here. Um, what he's talking about, what Ryan Long is talking about is my judge human books by their covers. Judge them by the covers that they consciously designed with the conscious intention of communicating something to you, the person looking at them. Right? It's another one of those reversals of, of truisms. Never judge a book by its cover. Mm. Right. right. Never, never judge a human book by its cover. And the attitude that animates that is, I see no evil. I see no evil. La, 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 la. That's what a lot of this country is doing. Here's what happens when you choose, choose to see no evil. Headline from The Federalist. Is it from The Federalist? Daily Wire, excuse me. Headline from The Daily Wire. Nation's first elected transgender state representative arrested on child porn charges. A former New Hampshire state representative and the nation's first transgender identifying state lawmaker was arrested by police this week and charged for allegedly distributing child pornography. Stacy Marie Lawton. Stacy. A Democrat who previously resigned twice from the New Hampshire State House is now facing four counts of distributing sexually explicit images of children. Lawton was born Barry Charles Lawton Jr. I'm breaking in here, and he remains Barry Charles Lawton Jr. There is no such person as Stacy Lawton. National Police Department Public Information Officer John Cinelli said police were called to respond to a juvenile incident on Tuesday and were then told that the former lawmaker had been distributing explicit images. On Thursday, police searched Lawton's house and arrested him. And that's not all he's done. And it's not all he's done recently. We're going to go to a quote from the article. The 39-year-old has been plagued by repeated legal troubles in the past. In 2008, he was convicted of credit card fraud, uh, of, of credit card felony, according to the New, York, New Hampshire Union leader. In 2012, Lawton became the first transgender-identifying person elected as a state lawmaker, thrilling LGBT activists. 2012, audience, a whole 11 years ago. He was one of the early adopters, and nobody saw any evil, right? Next quote. This is from um, alleged Stacy, who doesn't exist. 
I believe that at this point, the LGBTQ community will hopefully be inspired, Lawton said at the time. My hope is now that maybe we'll see more people in the community running, maybe for aldermen. Maybe in the next election, we'll have a senator, says Barry Charles Lawton Jr., Stacy Lady McGender. Shortly after the election, Lawton stepped down after the credit card fraud allegations came to light. Lawton was later sentenced to six months in jail after reporting a bomb threat to a hospital in 2015. In July 2021, Lawton was arrested for giving police false information. That's still not all. Quote, Lawton won election to the state house again in November 2022, only to step down in December after accusations of stalking. Lawton had been arrested on stalking charges twice in 2022, including an incident in September just months before the election, the Daily Wire tells us. Do you notice a pattern? Do you notice that for 11 years he's been getting away with being seen as a respectable politician simply because he declared himself a lady man? Do you see how stupid, irresponsible, and craven the voters, the public, his elected colleagues, and the media have been for 11 solid years. La, 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 la. This isn't one of the hard ones. It's not, oh, he was so nice and, and we've worked with him for 20 years and we just can't believe. We ne there was never any indication. First of all, there's always indications, there's always red flags, there's always warnings, there's always a record of some sort. But this, this was a conscious, deliberate choice by all of these people, the voters, his colleagues, whoever was covering in the media. This was a conscious choice to pretend they did not know what they did know and to vote for him anyway. That's astonishing. You know, I don't know how many of the voters actually knew all of this stuff, but it, it certainly wasn't four or five of them, right? Is it really that difficult to see when you take a look at Stacy? For those of you who are on audio only, this is a very obvious man in a mugshot. Looks like a drug user with a skin condition, scraggly, um, he looks like what he is. He looks like a, a creepy, disgusting criminal. He looks like the freak that he is, the dangerous freak that he is. He's not a woman. He's a freak. He's a male felon. He's a child pornographer. Oh, but we, we didn't know. We didn't know. Look. Stop agreeing not to see evil. God, is so frustrating. One more quote from him, then we're going to move on. <laughs> I'm alive, I'm safe, I'm well, Lawton said in a Facebook video at the time, announcing that he was leaving politics. I'm not suicidal and just trying to get by every day with what I've been dealt. Pity. In other narcissist news, do you remember that website, Everyday Feminism? <laughs> it's probably still up. I just haven't seen it come across my, my various curated feeds in a while. It was a woke uh run by 21-year-old like, adult um, uh, 
uh, feminists and and their neutered male hangers on. Uh, it, just every single cliched, obnoxious female BPD style victimhood complaint. This was a place that wrote copy based on microaggressions and, you know, really understanding whether people actually internally see you the way you need to be seen, you know, just, in fact, I remember sharing this when, it, when the content from Everyday Feminism was going around a lot more than it is now. I remember sharing some of this on my social media with people. And I would say at least half the people thought it was a joke. They thought it was a parody. They didn't believe me. Some people accused me of having been taken in by an obvious parody because, of course, you're so cynical, Josh, that you'll just believe anything that makes people look bad. Right? Yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm not, I'm not usually right. I mostly exaggerate and I tell you lies every week. <laughs> that's how bad it is. I'm sorry. That's what you got. I should open a site called Everyday Narcissism. That's how Kevin and I should make our millions. Narcissism and rude, entitled to outright appalling behavior, appalling behavior, has been completely normalized at every level of society. But only if you're black, LGBTQ, or a sexual predator who calls himself a little girl or a dying anorectic actress who's killing herself on camera and demanding that you believe her name is Elliot and she's a man. You can do all of those things if you fit into this category, but the rest of us are not even allowed to react negatively and say, ouch, please stop. That saying, ouch, please stop, is an assault on these narcissists. If you're normal, if you're conventional, if you're white, you don't get to do any of this. You are required to take it, though. Take it hard and take it dry. Let's roll the next thought, please, Kevin. You're watching a graduation ceremony here. You didn't let me get my moment, so I want to say my name is Kadijata Diallo, and I'm graduating today. Congratulations! Congratulations! Fuck you. So if you if you weren't watching, this was a graduation ceremony where this young woman, um, black, and the re yes, yes, the reason I'm mentioning her race is because she is getting away with her behavior because she is black, and we all know it's true. She walked up to a couple of faculty members, everybody's standing around outside for commencement in caps and gowns, and she rips some papers or a microphone away from one uh, middle-aged faculty woman, white woman, and she just got away with it. Do you notice how no one stood up and shamed her the entire time? She should have been, she should have run away in embarrassment and disgrace, but she didn't because nobody said anything, did they? You didn't hear them and you didn't see them. Oh my God. Well, I guess that's just how she expresses herself. And I, I Look at that, if you want to go back and look and rewind the video, look at that feckless, neutered, white male faculty member standing there in a surgical mask out of doors, standing there in a surgical mask, holding his hand out ineffectually. Look at it. Yeah, we've got him here on there. And he's got, he's got this look on his face. I mean, from what you can see in his eyes, right, I'm imagining what might be under that mask. Stop in the name of diversity. <laughs> he 
He can't even do anything. He wouldn't even help his colleague. He wouldn't even help a woman out. Pansy. Universities are gone. Academia is unsavable. Don't try to save it. Let it die. Don't go into it. Don't send your children to college. Give them a trade, and they will be the ones with a grounded mindset and an actual bank account and skills that will help them and you and the people in their neighborhood get through the rougher times that are coming. And they are coming. There's going to be a time when people who know how to be carpenters, plumbers, farmers are going to be in really, really high demand. Not your PhD. All right. Let us round this show out. You know, I, I swear, sometimes I almost don't know what to do with my script because when I sit down and I pull these things, I've told you guys this before, but it happened a lot this week. I find that what I have in my script, 80% of it is in the script for one of Matt Walsh's shows this week. And it's not because I heard it on his show. It's because I picked this stuff down. I usually catch up with his show on the weekends and I'm like, he covered it, he covered it, he covered it. Um, Whatever it is, uh, Matt Walsh or Matt Walsh's producers and I are obviously connected to the same hive mind because the same things jump out at me and I feel exactly the same way about them. So he covered that this week, but I'm going to give it to you me style. This is from Reddit's forum, Am I the Asshole? For those of you who don't know what Reddit is, uh, well, it's not going to be much anymore because they're, they're, uh, they're sinking their own ship. Online, you know, chat community, topic forums, blah, 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 blah. Am I the asshole is the forum for people to share stories and say, was I the one behaving badly, right? Uh, it's, it's funny because the British version of this, the female British version of this can be found on the site Mumsnet, which is a, a parenting forum, overwhelmingly mothers. And their, their version of this is, am I being unreasonable? Am I being unreasonable? <laughs> and we Americans are just like, was I the asshole? <laughs> All right, so let me read this. To you. <laughs> oh God, am I the asshole for not telling my son he was an affair baby? I was married when I had my son with another man, who I was seeing behind my husband's back. I raised him with my husband for four years until he found out about the thing, and we divorced. And so I started dating my son's bio dad. We then had more kids together, and my daughter became friends with his daughter from his next marriage. We found out about this when we were picking her up, and I saw my ex. It was very awkward. Now, my son was with his sister. I, this is such a tangle. With his sister, and I think he must have recognized my ex. My ex told him everything. I guess this was the kid's actual father. I don't even know. My ex told him everything, and now my son is angry at us and thinks we are horrible people and should have told him. I gave him a hug, but he wouldn't listen. He remembered him from early childhood and was angry I lied and said he was an old friend. Huh. Wow. First set of responses. <laughs> I don't think there's ever an obvious right or wrong answer in cases like this. Uh, yes, there is. Did you lie to protect him or did you lie to protect yourself? Because intent is probably where the dividing line sits. There is a point to that. There is a point. Intent does matter. And uh, I don't know how you're going to get out of this. 
So she responds, the original poster, uh, Mommy responds, I didn't want him to grow up thinking negatively of us or setting a bad example. So the answer to that question is you lied to protect yourself and your own reputation, you selfish bitch. You cow. Response to that. So, to protect yourself. Are you getting child support from your ex, who is not his father? She says, yes, I managed to get a good lawyer. Oh, my God. God. Oh my God. Wait, your ex is not the biological dad and he pays child support? <laughs> she goes on. So you cheated on your husband. After four years, he finds out that his son isn't his. You ended up divorced and you married your lover. Question one. Did you continue to sleep with your lover for the four or five years before your husband found out that you were cheating? Then you make your ex pay child support for you and your lover's child? Question two. How can you look at yourself in the mirror? You deserve your son's anger. You are the asshole. Correct. Correct. This dumb bitch, this slut... She actually answered the questions. Want to know what she said? Number one, we slept together then, yes. Number two, I'm a perfectly good person and a mother. I was just in love. Really? No, you weren't. You were horny and you spread your legs. <laughs> trash, trash, trash. That's all I got this week, you guys. And it is hot up in here, so I need to go. Thank you for joining us for Disaffected. We will see you again next week.